I mean, honestly, have I been pwned? Heck yes. Did you order this bike from Ikea? Come at me vociferously. Heck yes. I run Arch. <laughs> Shameware. Yep, NFT all the way. And I gave you a little extra cord on that one, too. I run Arch. I run Arch. Smash that like button. Heck yes. <laughs> Smash that like button and subscribe. Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 359. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. We're in the Mintcast channel in IRC at irc.spotchat.org. If you see something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. This is Leo. And with me today is Joe. Hello. Josh. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. We're recording on Sunday, April 18th, 2021. First up, in our wanderings, I get a fresh stream. Joe sends his keystrokes over the air. Josh has a server dilemma, and Mike heads to space. Then in the news, we get hypnotized. Uh, we look at a little bit of Apple M1 support again. We celebrate a birthday and uh, look to the stars. In security, uh, Skynet, man, Skynet. In this past couple of weeks, I've got a whole one thing done, but it has changed my life. Fresh RSS. This is an RSS reader. And I know what you're thinking, Leo. There are about a million RSS readers on every platform ever. Why does this matter? And why are you jumping on this now? Everybody that's listening to the show right now has asked that exact question. Thank you for asking the question, and I'll go into it now. <laughs> Fresh RSS. This is um, a server-style RSS aggregator. So the reason I didn't get an RSS thing for my phone is that I wouldn't have an RSS reader that was, you know, reading the same thing um, on every other platform, right? If it was, I'd heard Google had one. I don't know if they still do. They have like Google feeds or something like that, uh, that does the job, but I don't want Google stuff. And we're going to get into a big reason why I don't want any of that stuff here in a little bit uh, on the show. But that's the idea, right? I, I want a central repository for all of my RSS feeds that I can get at with any machine that I'm on, even if it's a potato. I want to be able to access these feeds so I can read something so I don't go insane because for some reason I just like computer stuff a lot. So I've got this feed and I need it. And it's, it's really changed the way that uh, I deal with news. I used to, I don't know, I guess I would like mainline uh, Reddit um, I would uh, like Freebase, Ars Technica, and all of this stuff, right? But it would it would take a lot of effort to go to these individual places and find this stuff. So anyway, it turns out everybody's got an RSS feed. Did you know that we have an RSS feed? Yeah, it turns out that's how you get your podcasts from us uh, if you're using a podcast catcher. But you also, if we were to write normal uh, normal posts, which we don't, I don't know, should we? Maybe? 
But if we were to write those, you could you could subscribe to that feed and it could come straight into your RSS reader, right? Like I, I know I'm explaining this to you like you don't know what an RSS reader is. I know you do. Some of this is new to me. Anyway, so fresh RSS, you set it up using Docker. It's fantastic. Uh, Joe has finally convinced me to start running more and more Docker stuff. Yeah, we haven't talked about Docker stuff lately. Just you're in the back of my head all the time. I haven't been using it as much lately, honestly. I mean, I still really? use it for uh, my Chrome VPN instance, and, and that's about it. Well, you you dove into it a little differently. Like, you were using Firefox and Docker to uh, anonymize and privatize and everything. But um, th- this is... Fresh RSS runs the, the, the Fresh RSS service. It runs a PostgreSQL uh, database and something else that I can't remember at the moment. But the the Docker Compose script that they give you pretty much sets it all up. You you tweak a couple of settings like the database password and stuff, and it just works. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, and anyway, long story short, the idea with this is that I put all of my stuff in there. I can go to a single spot. I can get all of my news. I am more in touch with the news now than I was when I was doing Full Circle Weekly News. Like, because, like I said, from there, I was, I was literally going to these websites and checking them one by one. And now it just, it all hits me in the face in one go. Um, and I was complaining to Josh yesterday about the lack of um, dark mode. Like, I refused to use fresh RSS when I, was, uh, when I was going to bed because it would just blast me in the face with white. And that was, that was too much for my poor little eyes to take right before I fell asleep. Um, but as I, was, uh, as I was lamenting the fact that I don't have dark mode, uh, I found the dark mode theme. It's just built in. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic now. I'm at a point where I think I don't go too many places to get my news anymore. It's all just fresh RSS right on my, my browser uh, on every single platform. If it can run a browser, you can get your news through fresh RSS. So I'm really happy with that. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, but that's really all I've been up to this past couple of weeks, uh, reading lots and lots and lots of news. So, Joe, what about you? Well, obviously, um, I worked on a lot of headphones. Uh, I still have a lot no, left to work on. I don't believe too. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, believe crazy, it. Crazy, right? Um, uh-huh. But I also worked on some Bluetooth speakers. So far, I have two of them working. Uh, one of them is a JBL Flip 2, which is like the size of a soda can. And... Um, very difficult to work on because of how small the circuit boards are and the fact that there was like half a pound of hot snot inside the thing keeping it all together so the what now hot snot basically hot glue oh yeah, okay yeah, okay they just coated the thing in chunks of hot glue and you had to dig it out to get that circuit board out oh man i was just thinking the person that put it together just sneezed really hard on your stuff that's what it looks like but I was able to do a full power port replacement on that. And that's actually my uh, first full power port replacement that worked. And then really good on that. And I did it without an air gun and it works great. And now you can do it without an air gun with um, micro USB and mini USB, but you really can't do that with USB C because usually some of the pads are covered by the port itself so that does require a hot air gun which i don't have um the other one that i got working was just uh shorted because the usb b port the one that you know is out to power so you can like hook your phone up to it and have that power because it's a really huge speaker uh was damaged and it was shorted to ground 
So that was a simple fix. I was able to bend the pins away and get it to turn back on and charge. And I opened it up to see if um, that particular B port could be replaced. Um, but it was definitely entirely too buried in other components. Um, so what I did to prevent, you know, a, another short or it possibly starting on fire was I scratched out the traces. So that won't be a problem ever again. But there was just too many other components right there on top of that uh, USB-B port for me to get in there and replace it. Um, I do have two more Bluetooth speakers to work on. One of them has that USB-C port, which was ripped out entirely, taking all the pads with it. And, and because it's a multi-layer board, I can't see where the connections go to run new traces. But what I'm thinking I can do is add a new charging circuit um, and hopefully not light myself up like a Christmas tree. And if I do it right, the device will simply think that it's always running on battery power, even when it's charging. I, I already have a whole bunch of the little circuit boards to do it. They're extremely cheap and you can get them off of Amazon in packs of 10 for um, five bucks or something like that. That doesn't sound dangerous at all. Well, it's if you do it right, it's really not. I mean, they're designed to charge, um, what, 4.2-volt batteries, which is basically what every single, well, 3.7-volt batteries, but they go up to 4.2 volts. Every Bluetooth device ever has a 3.7-volt battery in it. So it'll work. And then I just run the leads um, to the battery and then it has another set of leads specifically for the device itself. And then that should make it run. So real quick, uh, back on the hot air gun. Joe, I thought you were filled with hot air. How can you just not blow am, on the I thing? Am, I am full of hot air. It's just not the 220 degrees I would need to melt solder. Oh, and usually you want to is, that, is that Celsius or Fahrenheit? <laughs> Celsius, yeah. Oh, okay. And you must be the Fahrenheit. You then. usually I want it you. even hotter. You want that 400 degrees, so that way you can get that heat in quickly to the specific area. And I, I, you know, I just can't do it. I'm too old. <laughs> a few years ago, when you were a young whippersnapper, you probably could have. Maybe, huh? maybe, maybe not from you know blowing it out the front end. <laughs> I tried to replace the USB uh, socket on a pair of Kicker Tabor Bluetooth headsets, a really nice headset. But while I thought I had it good enough to charge, the shape of the connector was just a little bit off. I didn't have the right USB uh, micro connector for it, and it wouldn't stay for any amount of use, so it would pop right back out. Um, so I did order a different version because they're really cheap. You get like 15 of them for next to nothing. Um, and, and I got it in and I, I took a bit of finagling, but I got it to work and it's charging and it's currently up on Facebook Marketplace waiting to be sold. Uh, really boring couple 3.5 millimeter jack replacements. The thing about that is, once again, those are super cheap. You can get them for less than a dollar a piece. And fixing some of these headphones, they're going to sell for hopefully like $50, $90, $100. And so that makes it really worth it to me, especially with how simple of a fix that is. Um Got the NVMe 2242 drive for that uh, Latitude tablet, and it's super fast, uh, 1,500 read, 500 write, uh, which is a lot better than the other drive that's in it. So what I did was I attempted to put an OS on that drive since it's so much faster, 
there's a limitation in the BIOS where it won't boot from that particular drive. Now, I'm pretty sure I can fix that by putting the, um, the GRUB and the EFI onto the other drive and then having that all point to the faster drive and then just having the operating system boot from there. It's not the, so much that it's difficult to maintain. It just gets annoying when you end up, you know, reformatting the thing every couple of weeks for whatever reason. Uh, I, I might still do it, but but we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll make that decision later. It, it's working pretty good right now. And as a follow-up to last show, the GNOME 40 installation just quit working, would not boot, got stuck. I could log in, and then it would just sit there on a blank screen with a mouse that could move around. Um after an update. So what I did was I installed Cinnamon and applied the fixes for screen rotation that I had previously mentioned, which is just like installing screen rotator. Uh, works like a charm. Um, I, I, I also have Mate or had Mate on there for recovery purposes, purposes in case Cinnamon died as, and failed for an update as well. Not tech-related, but I pretended I was a plumber last weekend and replaced the faucet in my kitchen. I, I don't usually do that type of thing. I, I, I tend to prefer to pay somebody else to actually be a pr plumber. I, I was happy to get it done properly, a little outside my area of expertise, but it really wasn't that hard. And I did enjoy doing it, and I was kind of on a fix-it kick last weekend anyway. You're, never, you're not on a fix-it kick at some other points? I thought you were always on a fix-it kick. There, 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 there's <laughs> a difference between man. my normal fix-it and then I just go nuts on fixing things. And, and yeah, it, that was actually really fun. Um, and then after a huge amount of false starts on Facebook Marketplace, I mean, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever tried to sell anything on Facebook Marketplace, but it's a lot of, um, is this available? And then not getting an answer, or after you tell them yes, it is, and not they don't say anything else. Or, or a lot of other, or a lot of people jumping on and saying, "Hey, will you sell this to me for three hundred dollars less than what you're asking?" Exactly, exactly. You know, I got the I got the the, the item up there for a hundred dollars, hundred and fifty dollars, and they're offering me fifty bucks for it. No, I don't care about your sob story either. <laughs> the answer is no. This is the price. Thank you much. Um, and anyways, I, I sold two of them at the, at the full price in one night. And so the headphones are now paid for plus some profit. So that's good. Just selling two PSPs back to back like that within like an hour of each other. Um, were, they, were they the 3000 series PSPs? No, they were the 1000 series. Oh, wow. I, I do have um, one more of the one th or 3000 series that I could sell. And then I have, I think, one more of the 1000. So, yeah, one more of the 1000, one more of the 3000 that um, I can sell. And then some more that need some more work, but I'm not quite sure what on them yet. And then I also, I've taken pictures of two of the headphones and have them posted up. And I've still got to do a whole bunch more and get them out there and see if I get any nibbles on it. Maybe they sell, maybe they don't, but now they're paid for, so I don't really care. Then I need to pick my next project. Hopefully some of them sell and I get enough money for the next project. But um, I don't want to make too much profit because then I have to put it on my taxes. I've been playing around with Bluetooth again, 
because I have a keyboard and mouse that I want to use on multiple machines with as little fuss as possible. I have found that in Linux Mint, your Bluetooth will be much more stable and more likely to auto-reconnect if you uninstall Blueberry and install Blueman instead. Um, this has allowed me to use my mechanical keyboard and my uh, Jellycomb trackball mouse on my tablet and my computer in the garage and with the click of a couple of buttons and it automatically connects. Um, this is not a perfect solution as there's still some random drops and false connections, but it is much more stable. I'm, I'm actually going to give that a shot, I think, because I've been going back and forth with Josh over the last two weeks or so, but I'm having terrible, terrible uh, Bluetooth yeah. issues on my XPS on Linux Mint. Well, one thing I noticed was that uh, on Linux Mint, I was having serious problems, and I thought it was just, you know, a Linux-wide problem. And then on Garuda, I was having much less problems after manually installing um, Blue Man and uh, Blueberry. So then I tried it on Linux Mint. It was more stable. It definitely wasn't perfect, but it was better. Arch to the still, rescue. Yeah, still... A I wonder... I bet a lot of that has to do with versioning, though. Yeah. Because uh, with Arch, you're getting a much uh, much more recent version than what you would get at a Linux Mint. Yeah. So I wonder if there's... Um, can you get, like, a PPA? I'm not or sure. Or one of those? I'm not sure. Well, I didn't really try... Uh, I also tried Blueberry on Garuda, and it definitely didn't work as well. So... Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, still, I mean, you can... If you're going to uninstall and then reinstall something else... Uh, then maybe a newer version through a PPA will let you stay on Mint. And I think uh, part of the problem that I have with my garage computer is that it's it, it's been upgraded since like I don't know sixteen somewhere in there. So it, it it hasn't been nuked in a long time, and it probably needs nuked and pave, and that might get rid of some of the uh, interesting projects I've tried on it over the the multiple years and, and the settings changes and things like that and maybe just clean it up some. And then I also got a um, a new extra clicky uh, keyboard out in the garage um, that I'm going to use for work because I didn't, I was using a, um, a Logitech, uh, not the K400, the K400 is the one that has the touchpad on it. But anyways, it had chiclet keys on my old one. And, and the new one I have is the Royal Kludge RK100 with um, blue switches in it. And it has the 2.4 gigahertz uh, USB. And it has five different modes of Bluetooth so that I can connect to, to six devices total. And I, I want to be able to use that easily amongst all my devices without having to, you know, grab separate keyboards or move the USB dongle around. Um, Back to the tablet, after the issues on the second drive on the tablet, I had already wiped out Garuda, so I ended up installing Mint again with some of the fixes that I had mentioned before. Um, I didn't did not enable the built-in screen rotation, but just went straight for screen rotator because I already know that that was going to be a problem. And then, like, the second thing I did was remove Blueberry and install Bluemon, and my devices automatically reconnect to it every time on the tablet not on the tower. And, uh, you know, um, lock screens, even when it's in the lock screen, I can still just reconnect to Bluetooth and start typing and put in my password and I'm in. Also, on the tablet, since Borderlands 2 worked and I had the extra drive space because of the second drive, I installed Borderlands 3. 
Um, I tried some Vulcan fixes because of how long it was taking to install the shaders, but that did not help. In the end, I just let it sit there uh, and for the 20, 30 minutes until Vulcan had completely installed the shaders. It did finally open up, but it was extremely unplayable. I assume that it is because of the integrated graphics not being that good. Um, I was kind of surprised that I was able to install it at all. And I'd love to try out an external graphics card and see how well that would work. But I think the i5 version of the Dell Latitude 5290 doesn't have the uh, Thunderbolt and only the i7 model does. So um, I, I would have to do some research because I should also be able to do the mini uh, mini PCIe connection to um, an adapter to get a full-size graphics card hooked up. But that would be kind of a crazy thing to set up with a tablet. And, well, yeah, that's all I've been up to. Josh, what have you been up to? Well, I uh, got a new uh, mini server. It's basically like a mini PC that I'm using as a server. Uh, it has uh, an Intel Atom quad-core processor, so it's not the best, but it's definitely better than my uh, Raspberry Pi um, because the Raspberry Pi only has... I have the 3B, and uh, that one only has uh, USB 2.0, and this one has 3.0, and I'm using this as my file server connected uh, via USB 3 to a um, multiple-disc array, uh, what do you want to call it, a hard drive bay, yeah. Um, and it was only $40 on eBay used. So that's like a win because it comes with everything, the case and all. And, uh, it's, it's silent cause there's no fans. And also it is, um, basically uses no power. I mean, it, it there's no power draw at all to this thing. It, it said it requires like a 1.5 amp uh, power supply, but I got a three amp anyway, just in case to have a little extra provide something for the peripherals. Yeah. Yeah, just in case I needed I needed a little extra on that end. Um so the 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 whole rig, the Atom machine was 40 bucks? Yeah. Yep. What? It was oh, on eBay on. for well, used, so uh, do they do they all tend to sell like this or was this the just used like one ones of those are around awesome $50 deals. usually, but the um brand new it's like 120. And the Atom is a, you know, an x86 yeah. chip, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What's the model? Hmm. Um you know what? I'm not 100% sure. Uh, it's a. You would ask him it's pertinent a Z, information the, about what he's the talking actual about. Device is a <laughs> Z83. I know that's probably not going to help you at all. Um, when it boots up, it just says Intel, so I don't even know who makes it. <laughs> I couldn't. Did even it come tell with you. Windows pre-installed, or did it? Have... Yeah, originally, like from the factory, it comes with Windows installed, but I it, it was with nothing on it right now. Mm -hmm. Is it the Intel Atom Z83F yeah, Mini PC yeah. Intel Atom X5 Z8350? Yeah, I yeah. have the two gigabyte model. There's also a four gigabyte model and an eight. Is there an eight? Oh, I didn't even see that one. It looks like it. But the, okay, so this is kind of cool. But you're saying that the uh, the processor is not the most um, powerful. Well, it's it's enough for to do basic things, like especially for the file server. Really, it, it well okay so. I was originally using SSHFS to transfer my files, 
And I thought maybe with the encryption, it was uh, pegging out the uh, TPU because it looked like it was only using one core. And it was like 99% on uh, SSHFS um, on uh, HTOP. So then I set up Samba and that also topped out at the same megabytes a second, uh, 44, I think it was. Um, so I know that it's not the encryption or the CPU that's bottlenecking. It must be just the USB controller, I'm assuming. But it's a heck of a lot faster than my HP stream, and it's a heck of a lot faster than my uh, Raspberry Pi. So I'll, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at, um, I usually go check these things out on Passmark and see what kind of scores I think they're like got. 920 not- or something like that. Um, I'm looking at 832, but okay. I mean, it's the, the, there's a margin yeah. of error oh, yeah. there. Yeah. So for sure. And it looks pretty good. Uh, it looks decent for four Watts. I mean, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That's what I was I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, I gotta buy this. And the guy seemed like pretty legit. Like it seemed like a business that was selling it. So I wasn't too worried about oh, yeah. it. I love that kind of stuff. This is anytime I buy a laptop or anything like that. It's yeah. like, all right, who's selling 150 of these? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because you also have the option of, you know, if it, if it comes to you broken, you know that they'll have a few more to swap it out right. with if if, uh, if you need to switch it right. out. As opposed to the one person that bought it and yep. they've only got the one, you know, you send it back yep. and you're out of laptop. Well, but I, I feel like businesses on, on eBay have a lot more to lose than just individual sellers too. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. right? You, they don't want a dent to their score. Right. right? What was weird about this one is the same guy had multiple ones for different prices. Now, I understand maybe they were a little bit more worn or whatever, but as far as this one goes, there was like a couple scratches on it, but otherwise, there it looked brand new. I mean, yeah. I would never even on know. On a box like that? I don't care. Yeah, I don't care either, <laughs> you, you but give, that's why I got the $40 the scratches, one. <laughs> yeah. Give me the scratches, whatever, dented. I don't exactly. care. All this stuff is well, solid state anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep, and it did the first time. So, well, I was I was a little concerned the first time because I pressed the button and nothing happened. Pressed it again, nothing happened. Pressed it a third time, then it started. What I found out is when you unplug the power and you plug it back in, you have to hold the power down for like a second, and then it'll come on. But but as long as the power is continuously on, you can just press it and it'll come off and on uh, with one click. So nice, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so I installed OpenSUSE Tumbleweed on that now. Um, originally I was going to use Fedora, but yeah. And I'm very disappointed. I I know you'd be, I knew uh... you'd be disappointed in me. (laughs) I wanted to use Fedora, but I just, they just got into ButterFS on, on their, um, root file system and, and OpenSUSE has been doing it for so long. And I absolutely love OpenSUSE Tumbleweeds, uh, Plasma uh, and their theming and all that on it. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I really like it. Um, so hold on. So th- this is a file server, right? Yeah, this is going to be a file server. Yes. My, why, why do you have a Why do you have a GUI on a file server? I don't. That, that's the real. Question. I don't. That was I'm talking. I was talking oh, about. I see. I was talking about my laptop. I use I use oh, Plasma. Okay, Sorry, okay. I should have I should have said that. No, don't worry. I'll <laughs> I'll talk some crap and we'll clarify. Don't worry. No, it's definitely yeah. Um, no, it, it's I'm running it. It's like two hundred and three megabytes. I think. Using a uh, RAM on this thing with tumbleweed on it. Wow, so that's not bad. basically. Not, yeah, it, the funny thing is, is like when you install tumbleweed server, it, it installs like under a thousand packages. When you install tumbleweed plasma, there's like three thousand packages installed. 
Oh yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. Crap. All the little bits and goodies <laughs> for plasma and blur. Yeah. Uh, I never, I never blur. realized how how many extra packages are in a desktop, and that's why I ultimately decided not to even install a desktop on this thing. Not to mention, it only has two gigs of RAM, but. Even XFCE, I wasn't even going to try it. I was like, no way. I'm going to do this do the right way. <laughs> the, re- the real reason why, the other reason I should say why I use OpenSUSE Tumbleweed is for YAST as well. Because uh, I can just do so many more things and I don't have to go to Google to figure it out. Because I can just go on YAST, look for it, and and set it up. Um, just for me, it's it's just simpler. I know it takes a little longer once once you know what you're doing with the terminal. It takes a little longer, but with Yast, it's easier for me. So that's why I just use it. <laughs> so this is why I was thinking you were putting a GUI on the server because you're talking about Yast. And Yast is GUI only, or are there command line it's, uh, and utilities for on it? the uh, server version? <gasps> okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's not so mouse I mean, it, enabled. It, I wish it were, but it's it's not, unfortunately. They. They need to get with the BPyTop guys. So to make it mouse enabled, right? that would be really cool. Even, but, even, okay, um, so. See, we can, we can see this now. <laughs> we, we Sometimes we wonder what Josh is doing. We, we hear little pops and crackles and things, and it's like, what what could this possibly be? And now um, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but we're on Discord now checking out video, and I see the ha- the cat just hop up on the back of his chair. Yeah, is that a cat or a then, mountain you know, lion, though? That thing is huge. Like it could, one of the oh, other. he's not that big. <laughs> you see my other cat. He's 13 pounds. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. Anyway, sorry for the segue. I just thought it was hilarious. It's all good. That's what all these little uh, little jabs are right here. Yep. <laughs> I don't even know. I thought that, exactly. That's why <laughs> I derailed you, man. Uh, yes. Well, we were just talking about yes, and you were saying in curses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm. Oh yeah. So I was gonna ask. I mean. All of the features that are in the GUI yes, are they in the in curses? Yes. yes. Kind of in the same yep, place. Yeah. Just gotta use tab to go through. Them. Yep. Wow. Okay. Um. All right. It throws I don't know you for a loop a little bit. Me. It does when you first use it because you're used to like seeing all the fancy, you know, buttons and all this crap. But once you yeah. once you realize, oh, it's all in the same spot, and you just got to press spacebar to to select things. You know, if there's like a totally. you know, then you once you realize well, that it's easy. Yeah. If you've ever installed, I imagine if you've ever installed a version of Linux through. Um, you know the text-based UI. I imagine you'll you'll be fine. Yeah. And yes, it uses the same kind of paradigm, yeah. right? Oh yeah. But that's cool. I don't know if it'll convert me, but that is really nifty that you can do that. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff. Like the best part about it, the reason why I installed Tumbleweed over Leap is because Yast has so many more features in Tumbleweed than it does in Leap because Leap just sits at you know whatever version it's at for what is it, two years or something like that? And then they do a point release. A while. Yeah. So Tumbleweed has everything you need for, you know, all the all the uh, new stuff, I should say. And um, the, the best part about it is with ButterFS, it has all that partitioning stuff in, um, embedded into YAST, like, like uh, sub-volumes and all that stuff. You can manage all of it with um, YAST. You don't have to worry about the command line at all. Yeah, so YAST and Tumbleweed. Install it now or else. <laughs> Heck yes. Heck yes. Actually, it's Yast 2, I should say. That's the new That's the uh, new version. I don't know when they came out with that, but I was confused. I was like, Yast 2? What's Why is there a 2 there? But it works if you just type in Yast. 
Um, so other than that, yeah, uh, Crowbar Colonel Panic is on episode four now. Uh, Leo apparently uh, didn't know we had an episode four, but we do. <laughs> I did. I didn't ring the bell. I didn't. Oh ring yeah, the bell, Leo. What so the heck's wrong with know. you? Ring, ring that I, bell. That, Smash no, that no. like button. Come on. <laughs> Smash that like button and subscribe. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I feel like it was our our best episode yet. Like. I don't know. I, I, I'm probably going to say that every single new episode, but like this one really, I don't know. I just felt good about this one. I don't, it's about hitting your stride. I think the first couple you're trying to, you're feeling out what the show is going to be. Right. And then the third episode, you kind of have it figured out and you know, you're like, all right, I like yeah. this. This is, this is becoming a thing. And then, yeah, you're, you're at that point now where you kind of like, I would imagine you kind of like where the show is at. Yeah. You like the content that you're putting together and there's a flow. You and Bo probably have that that really good banter going on now. You know each other enough that you can you yeah. know, throw stuff out and they'll catch it and throw it yeah. back at you. That and, seems you know, to be that, getting that better deal, every so. episode. Yeah, Because like this exactly. podcast, so, it's not as, I don't know, it's not as like fluid, I should say, like with the banter. Like with ours, we're just always recording and we're just talking at whatever. You know, if he says something, yeah, yeah, yeah. we go back at each other and all that stuff right away. It's not like we wait or we have to worry about the other guys or anything like that. So, yeah, it is a little more like, yeah, like, I don't know, almost like rigid. What was that? Rigid. rigid. Yeah, 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 definitely. Are you guys um, still live streaming on Fridays or? Yeah, yeah, yep. We had a little snafu last time because um, I think, I think, yeah, Bo had the shot and he was having a reaction to it. So we, we held off for a week. So now it's going to be off of Mintcast week and we're just going to be doing it next Friday, I guess. Yeah, it should That's be good. next Friday. It's a good idea. But yeah, uh, so on that we talk about Magic Legends, Valheim, Lutris, and much more. Ooh, much, much more. Yeah, stay tuned. Much more. Stay tuned. So, uh, Tony Hughes not here, so Mike, how's your week been? I kind of know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been complaining to you enough about it, so. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Grouchy M in full effect this past uh, fortnight. But uh, no, I mean, I haven't been doing too, too much. Um, I think I mentioned last episode that I had ordered a uh, bicycle from a company online that they ship it to you in pieces. And then uh, it's cheaper because you are, you're expected to put it together yourself. So I've been doing... Did you order this bike from Ikea? <laughs> so the company name, I wasn't, I wasn't going to... Uh, last, last episode, I didn't want to shout them out because I wasn't sure how good the product would be. But I guess I can say it now. The uh, the company's called 630, all spelled out, uh, 630.com. And they sell all different style bikes, uh, bicycles. Uh, like I said, they come about 60% complete or so. So you're kind of required to finish it up, which I stupidly thought would be a good idea. It was not. So let me just say that the last two weeks, I have poured so much of my blood, sweat, and swears into this thing. It's been probably one of the most aggravating things I've ever done. Uh, the first day it came in, I spent literally four hours after work um, assembling it and got it to about 90%. I got really stuck on the brakes. I just, I couldn't figure it out. I, I watched every video on YouTube about brakes. Uh, a couple people on Telegram were nice enough to give me some pointers and some hints, but it just couldn't click with me. So Disc brakes are such a pain. They, you know, they really are. Like on I, a car, I, disc brakes are so much better, but not on a bike. <laughs> yeah, and this bike that I have too is a little bit uh, challenging because it has uh, front handlebar brakes, but rear coaster brakes. So there's two different uh, types of brakes, and the coaster brakes are the ones where if you pedal backwards, it'll stop your rear wheel. 
And then the front wheel has a has a handbrake. So I guess I don't really know which one I'm supposed to use, but I just go with the handbrakes. It's you're supposed to you're supposed to pedal backwards and like do some awesome fishtail action and just start bunny hopping uh, across the road. And... Yeah, oh yeah, of course, right? You don't even you don't even need brakes. As a matter of fact, I don't know why why that let you why why that stopped you. You just need Use to hop on the bike and go as fast as you can, and then just hope for the best. That was Joe's recommendation. He decided I, I should just <laughs> Flintstone it down the street. Yeah, if no, yeah, exactly. You just put you put. You put both feet onto the asphalt and then use that to slow you down. You know what, though? I wear a lot of Chuck Taylor All-Stars, and those things just can barely even handle grass. So I don't know how well it would hand up, yeah. handle... Uh... I, I, I love me my Chucks as well. So, oh, yeah. yeah, you can feel everything. Yeah, definitely. But uh, so I ended up, like I, like I was saying, I brought it to a bike shop finally. I let them handle it because otherwise I was just going to throw this bike in the trash. I was so upset with it. I, I would have driven and picked it up and brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but kind of the, the thing that really upset me was I, ha- I have a small car. So like I said, I spent four hours getting it mostly assembled, but then I had to disassemble a lot of the work that I did just to get it into my car to get it over to the bike shop. So uh, I got it there and uh, they finished it in a few days for me. The uh, kind of just based on their hours, I, I the only day I can get there is on a Saturday because it just doesn't really coincide with my working hours. And New England uh, weather being what it is, it's been raining for the last four days straight. So I had to go down yesterday and pick it up at 10 a.m. It was about 40 degrees outside with a downpour all day long. So I got drenched. It was a three-mile walk there and then a three-mile ride back on the bicycle. But uh, it's a lot of fun. It's cool. It's a a city cruiser. It has, uh, I don't know, I describe it as chopper style handlebars they kind of they don't they're not just a straight bar across it kind of almost curves in towards you and uh has a rear rack that i finished putting on yesterday so i guess to take it for a couple of rides uh yesterday and complete then, uh, with in the oatmeal evening. cream pies oh i don't go anywhere without my oatmeal cream pies love those things and uh yeah so that, that's the bicycle it's uh hopefully once we're done recording today if the rain lets up i'll get out there again and you gotta you don't forget to install those tassels right off the handles. I am, yeah. I, you know, I couldn't find the Linux Mint tassels that we were that we were talking about, so I decided on ah. some Hello Kitty ones instead. I feel like hey, that'll don't work. That. It's a good it's a good stop. Don't yet. forget that bell. Oh yeah, and the bell too. The bell every time I ring, it's gonna say I run Arch. I run Arch. So that way, everybody in town knows. <laughs> That's right. But uh, aside from that, I hmm? I approve. Oh, I, I knew you would. I actually was. I'm hoping to get your voice recording it, so that way. You can be involved well, just, too. Well, you know, pull it off this recording right here. Hold on just one second. I run Arch. <laughs> there it is. But uh, aside from uh, the bicycle, I, I did make a pretty good score with my Nintendo 64 this week. So I was able to pick up three games that I've been looking for for a while. I got uh, Perfect Dark, complete in box and mint condition. Oh, I love that game. That is one of my favorite games. I absolutely love that well, game. The that was expanded be- edition, right? With the where you had to have the pack in the yeah, N64. you need the expansion pack inside yes. the system because otherwise you only get access to thirty percent of the game, and not in, you don't even get single player mode if you don't have the expansion pack. Yeah. But I I love that game. That was back when Rare Studios were at their at their best. I think between Banjo Kazooie and GoldenEye, and then uh, Perfect Dark. But speaking of GoldenEye, that was another one that I picked up. And then uh, I also got Resident Evil 2, which for anyone not familiar with it, originally came out on uh, PlayStation 1, and it was a huge game. It was so big that it actually took up two discs on PS1. And then one of the greatest technological achievements of the Nintendo 64 era was they were actually able to somehow compress those two discs into just one game cartridge, 
through a lot of compression. Um, and it looks it looks and runs almost as well as the PlayStation 1 original. So that was a game that I've been looking for for a while. Uh, also got that in great condition. And then aside from that, I last night uh, spun up a virtual machine and installed Pop OS's new Cosmic uh, desktop interface or desktop environment, which it's not really a desktop environment. It's more like a shell to cover GNOME, but we'll uh, we'll get into that a bit more in the news. And a blanket. About, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, blanket. <laughs> a blanket to keep GNOME nice and cuddly and warm. And that's about all I have for my two weeks. Nice. All right. Well, then I guess that means we'll be heading to the news. In the news, I accidentally stumbled across a update in Linux Mint to Hypnotics. I don't remember the version numbers. I probably should have wrote that down, but it was like version 1.5 to 1.6. Um, yeah, as, as a matter of fact, it is. It is. Uh, I forgot to update this machine over the weekend. So, um, yeah, uh, 1.5 to 1.6. And it turns out that the original IPTV provider, free-IPTV, uh, is no longer the default provider. They've moved to free-TV. Um, the default provider. The one thing that I noticed about it was that it seems, was that? Yes, there's a lot less channels. Yeah, what's up with that, man? There's like uh, so, 12 channels or something total instead of... What? In the U.S., there yeah. are three, yeah, three, and none of them are here. None of them They're are all good. like... Man, the, I was raving CNN about one. this thing before, and now... No, I don't on, check it on. out. Well, you can change it yes, back, I'm sure. I just did. Oh, right. I just goodness. did to see if you could do it. Um, yeah. So you change like one line in it, and it gives you access to make that change, and it's just... Um, and the first window that pops up where it says TV channels, movies, and series, you click the box that looks like a TV in the top right-hand corner, you click the pencil, you go down to URL, URL, and you replace it with, um, well, it, it's iptvmate.net slash files slash long number slash all channels dot M3U. Right now, I'm getting 29,123 different channels. So why did they do this? So my assumption is because there is objectionable content that was found. That's that's going to be my guess. Because one of the the very first things that Clem said about putting this together was that he wanted it to be, uh, you know, acceptable to absolutely everybody. And I would imagine, you know, tyranny of the default and all. Nobody ever changes it. So if 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 something unagreeable came up, I wonder if that's uh, that's likely what it was. Uh, because otherwise, why would you? You're you're losing like eighty percent of your channels by by swapping the provider. So there had to have been something I mean, fishy going on. If you're back on there. the internet and you're worried about um uh content that's uh, a little bit sketchy, uh, don't go on the internet. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's I'm very never true. worried about that. Yeah, that's very true. I think if very I'm true. remembering right, anyway, when uh, when Clem first announced this, I think he was encouraging everyone to kind of change the default provider right. straight away. Anyway, exactly. I think one of the reasons why he gave a default provider was because if you opened it up and there weren't any channels available, you would assume it was broken. Right. Now, is this <laughs> so on the, you had to put something is there. Is this on the Warpinator that's in Flatpak as well? Hypnotics or, sorry, and yeah, Hypnotics. Uh, I don't I don't think Hypnotics is available in Flatpak yet. Oh, okay. I thought it, it Oh, that's right. It likely Warpinator will be is, one day. is in Flatpak. Right, right. right. Okay, I'm getting right, those right, mixed right. up. Never mind. Forget I'm here. Too many good apps, man. That's the that's the deal. All right, the next one up is M1 Hardware. Oh, I'm, ex I'm, I'm excited. 
Yeah, so this is uh, this is something that's a little close to my heart. So uh, Apple M1 hardware support is going to be added to uh, Linux kernel 5.13, uh, most likely. So Ashai, is it Ashai Linux? Asahi, yeah. Asahi, Asahi yeah. Linux founder, uh, Hector Martin, who I believe we had talked about a few months back, maybe four or five months ago. Uh, he just added initial support for Apple's silicone in the Linux system on chip tree. So that should be making it into kernel 5.13, which is due in either June or July of this year. Um, Martin actually previously started a Patreon to help fund his work on this, and it's uh, it's gone a lot quicker than I was expecting. So uh, this is going to be initial support only, and it's likely to be years still until Apple M1s are fully functional on Linux. But like I said, this is a this is a quick start, and uh, it's a little bit further along at this point at, at this point than what I, I was expecting. I was the only one that I know of that had full faith in Hector Martin to be able to do this. Every podcast everywhere was like, ah, he won't have anything until 2024. He won't have anything until the M2 series chips come out. He won't be able to do any of this. This is actually really too difficult for any single person, and he's got it done. I mean, it's in the kernel now. Guys, stop naysaying all of the people that are working on the software that you use every single day. Maybe they're going to surprise you. Once you're able to get the instructions <laughs> set, you should be able to make some kind of adapter layer. To Well, you, you know what's funny? You know what is extremely funny to me is that back in the uh, early 2000s, Linus was talking about whenever he very first started building Linux and he needed a graphics driver, he needed to build a file system and all of this kind of stuff. Um, that is the same lines that Hector Martin was saying. Like, you know, we're, we're having to build it from scratch. We're having to do all of this stuff from, from scratch and code this and whatever. And he had gotten um, somebody on the team. I can't remember what her name was, but uh, she was, she's an expert in these graphic stacks. Cause that's one of the big things that M1 is uh, that's so difficult to replicate in Linux on M1 is that graphic stack. It's, it's all closed source. So you have to reverse engineer it and build it from scratch. And, you know, once that started rolling, just you're, it's all downhill. So it seems to me, that he just blew everybody's expectations out of the water, except mine, because I have faith. Exactly. I, I don't. I honestly don't know why anybody <laughs> doubted Hector Martin because he's a great developer. He's he's actually the guy who brought <laughs> Linux to the PlayStation Four with full 3D acceleration, yeah, which was just as closed source as everything else. So I I don't understand why. Uh, yeah, why we didn't we just jump on the Hector Martin bandwagon. Right. It was going to happen sooner or later. Linux was going to get ported to these new Apple Silicon devices. Of course. Uh, yeah. The, just the way it is. I mean, otherwise, what use are they? Exactly. <laughs> was, that was a that was a nice dig at Mac OS. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if he uh, if he's building a uh, application layer like a translator, or whatever, I think he should call it Mine instead of Wine, because Wine kind of is like the W for Windows, and then Mine oh. can be the M for Mac. Well, I just like I like the. Um... I like the name Asahi yeah. because uh, in in Japanese it is supposed to be the the Macintosh Apple cultivar. So yeah, sneaky sneaky Hector, I like it. <laughs> All right, so quick uh, a, a quick what what do you call that? Uh, go back to the hypnotics uh, conversation because uh, Londoner has more information about this. He says that uh, free the free IPTV dev got upset with people stealing his playlists, and he goes on to say. Um, well, so so I asked, like, steal, because I'm under the impression that free IPTV was free in the first place. It's free in the name. And, <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, 
it is free, but he objected to others just copying the playlist. There were um, there was some communication with Clem, and uh, there are some other playlists that are that are linked in there. But yeah, so it, it I guess that was that was the deal, just a little friction, and so we swapped over to free TV instead. Seems like a strange oh. thing to get upset about. Although I mean, I uh, obviously I don't know any of the information behind it, but it's just at face right, value seems you know, a little it, weird. Exactly, because to me, I, I click the button and click on a channel and watch the channel for a few minutes. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that's that's as that's as hard as I think about it, well, right. which is to say, none. I, I did find <laughs> like a full list of different uh, lists, channel lists that you can put all together. Right, right. So you know, maybe maybe the the solution is just to say, you know, when we say hypnotics, and if it were still bundled with free IPTV, you could say something like hypnotics with free IPTV. You know, you know, have I don't. There, there needed to be more props, I guess. So he just wanted the plug, basically. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. This, this is something that I guess uh, we're going to hear Clem talk about a whole lot more in the April uh, monthly news thing. So we'll get his take on it. And um, the Londoner said there were a lot of forum posts about this. So I feel like we should go and do some due diligence and figure out what the heck is going on on that mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, next up, Elementary OS celebrates ten years. I thought it was a two-year-old operating system. What? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really it, did too. I, yeah. I, I was thinking maybe five at the absolute max. I had yeah. no yeah. idea it was ten. Yeah. So you know, um, in the in the post that we're that we're looking at here, it really just kind of gives you the from the point one release uh, shows you kind of how everything came to be. And I don't know as as far as as far as an operating system. What do y'all think about this? I know what it looks like. I know we're not supposed to say it because they get up, they get upset about it. But <laughs> I mean, it, it, honestly, even with so look and design, and don't at me for this. I don't. I don't care. Uh, look and design wise, it looks very Mac OS ish. And honestly, even with the fact that they charge you for applications, or they or they at least want you to pay for applications, that as well seems very Mac OS ish to me as well because it's it's expensive and Mac is expensive and. That's uh, that's Mike at mintcast.org. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got the email address. It's moss at mintcast.org. Oh, well, there it is. Come at me that's right. vociferously. That's it. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, I, I don't know how you can say that there are no design cues coming from macOS. I, mean, I don't even know that that's what they say. Uh, it, it, is, it is very macOS-like. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I think it... To be honest with you, uh, a couple of months ago, I had put, um, I had tweeted that what App Image needs is the little macOS DMG drag and drop installer. Like, there are good things about macOS. I don't know. And, And, you know, honestly, I think they might take issue with that because of the way that people say it. They don't say, that looks like macOS. I love it. They say... That looks like Mac OS. I hate it. <laughs> so it might, it might just be the uh, the edge that you put on it when you say that kind of looks like Mac OS that they take a, that they take offense to. But um, I, I think it's that good. Edge I, I think that you use when you're typing in their forums. <laughs> oh right, exactly. Microsoft Dev Edge, whatever. Yeah, Microsoft Edge Dev. That's it. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Coming from me, I mean, I, I have a Mac OS background, so I, I mean it. When I when I say that it looks Mac OS ish, I, I mean that with respect, honestly, because I still yeah. to this day I I think that Mac OS is is the best looking system out, out in the world because that's that's what Mac is known for. They spend a lot of time on their design. 
Um, so I think for for elementary OS to even be considered in the same realm as Mac OS, I think is a I think it's a compliment, not really a something yeah. derogatory yeah. towards them. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely absolutely. think it looks it looks the best on my Mac. Actually, when I when I install it on my MacBook, it, it, it there's just something. Like if I install it on my XPS, it it's just there's something wrong about it. I just I don't know. It just rubs me wrong. And when I install it on my Mac, I can no problem. I can use it. How weird is that? Huh? So it's like a, it's like a hardware yeah. thing. Like when when you when you have the aluminum unibody right. underneath you, it's like oh this like feels I feel right. Like the keyboard. With- <laughs> I, I I know what Mac is like, and I'm like hmm, yeah. this is right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Mike, you touched on it a little bit, and I wanted to kind of. Because elementary OS is more than just a DE, right? I mean, the the whole thing, yes, they do Pantheon. Yes, it basically looks uh, like Mac OS, or at least it has a lot of those design cues. I get that, yeah. But they're more than that. And, you know, they make that point in the the blog post. So I wanted to get y'all's temperature on what are your thoughts on this whole pay what you want in elementary. So, you know, focus just on the apps for the moment. When you open up the App Store, you click on some of these ones that are written in Gala or Vala, and they are, they're available to you. And the first thing that it asks you is like, hey, how much do you want to pay for this? You can say nothing, but you can also say $5. So what do you, what do you think on that? What's your take on that? Me personally, I think it, it, it's good to remind people that you know these developers should be paid. But then give you the option to, you know, do it for free because you don't have any money at the time. You still want to try it out before you figure out how much you want to pay, et cetera, et cetera. But having the reminder there that isn't obtrusive pop up every 15 minutes, but just, you know, okay, I'm installing it. Yeah, these guys are people and they did write it. Maybe I should throw some money at them. That's a good thing. Stop attacking WinRAR like that, okay? Like every time you open it up, it's like, hey, guess what? You're going to pay for me this time? No? All right, cool. I'll still, I'll still keep doing your <laughs> that stuff. That type That's of fine. thing makes me, especially, you know, when it's a specific application that was written that way, always makes me never want to pay. It gives me such a sense of joy when I don't donate my money to people like that. Hold on. Excuse me, Joe. Are you saying that you've never paid for WinRAR? Absolutely never. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Everybody's paid for WinRAR, hey, right? Closing that little pop-up, great joy. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, somebody's got to get paid sometime. I agree. I, that's, that's my yeah. take on it. Somebody, and, and you know, this, this isn't about WinRAR. This, this is about elementary and the apps and paying right. for stuff. Somebody's got to get paid sometime to encourage that person, that dev, that team of devs, to keep doing what they're doing. You know, I, I really feel like that's the impetus to keep going. I think right... And oh, with, sorry, I, I thought you are done. Go ahead. No, I go ahead. think right next to where you pay for the app, it should be a little, the little side note that says, this developer spent this many hours and he would have gotten paid this much money for doing this if... Oh, uh, what, do you, what do you call that? That's um, not nagware. It's uh, make you feel yeah, badware. Exactly. What's, uh, what's a better word for exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Shameware. Uh, there, Shameware. Yeah. Shameware. Yeah, exactly. For, for five cents, you can sponsor this dev. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and, that, so, and that's really the thing, too. I mean, I, I agree with you guys. I, I absolutely think developers should get paid for their work because they do put in a lot of work for it. But on the other hand, I mean, how many how many apps do we all have installed on our computer? And how many apps of those that we have installed do we use regularly? I mean, I know I have a bunch of apps that... All of them. 
Well, see, I, I, I disagree. So I have, I mean, I have Pithos, for example. I'm just looking at my, at my panel here. Pithos, which is, a, which is a Pandora client, basically, or Pandora Music. It's an okay app. If, it were, if I had to pay for it, I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't download it. I would just go to the Pandora website yeah. and use it that way instead. Um, but there are definitely certain apps that I use very regularly, like Remina, for example. I, I couldn't do my job without Remina on a daily basis. So something like that, I wouldn't mind paying for. But I just feel like if we're being pressured to, to pay for every single app on our computer, it's going to get to the point where it's, it's going to be more expensive than anything else you've done. I mean, you two, three, four, five dollars for each app that you download, that's, it's going to become a pretty expensive operating system pretty soon. Yeah, well, I mean, welcome to Mac OS, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the entire point of the App Store, and ain't nothing 99 cents that you actually want. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're paying 10, 20, 40, 50, $100 for an app to get your job done. But I think, um, you know, I think elementary, while you can, I, you can get the vibe that they're pressuring you to pay for some stuff. But, you know, I, I think the fact that you can stick zero in the box mm-hmm. is something that, you know, like, especially for that Pandora app that you're talking about, um, you can try it and then you can decide it's not something I would pay for. Yeah. I wouldn't, no, no money. So, and you can continue to, to, to make that decision forever. So I, I think they've done a good job of splitting the difference yeah. because you can't ask for money without asking for money. Right. Right. And it's nice to try before you buy thing. Yeah. Also, exactly. You get the full thing, not just a demo, but I think, you know, if you don't ask for the money, if you don't put it out there up front, you end up with another situation like with open SSL where the entire internet was broken. The whole thing was broken because the entire internet was depending on one guy in his free time doing all of this work, doing high or low-level crypto work that secured your credit cards, that secured your identity, all of this stuff, and the guy wasn't getting paid any money until everybody was like, hey, uh, there's some things that need to be done and he just doesn't have the time to do it because it's not his full-time job. So it, so I think that was the bellwether. I think I'm using that word in the right right way, right? But it, it was the, the, the beacon in the dark that was like, maybe we should be paying these open source guys at least a dollar for doing what they're doing because otherwise, you know, once we become dependent on it, if it goes away or if it doesn't work in the way that we expect, that, that's nothing against the people that don't have the money to be able to send oh, yeah, money to someone else. But that's why I'm saying elementary split the difference just right because you can say nothing. Yeah, when you do, you, you definitely should support the things that you use because if you don't, eventually, those, if no one does, eventually those things won't be there anymore. Right. Yeah, and you know that, that's exactly when 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 I ask for don- donations in in the various places that I ask, I, I very specifically say if you have an extra dollar or extra five dollars sure shoot it that way or shoot it to me or shoot it to whoever that's fine don't spend money that you don't have or don't spend money that you were planning on spending for lunch or something like that don't do that i mean unless you're trying to cut back on eating out or and something like that then of course yeah send it to me other <laughs> ways you can support if you can't afford to throw somebody exactly. a dollar i mean right. recommend it to your friends recommend it to people that you talk to on the internet say hey i use this give it a try and maybe yeah either they'll be able to donate a dollar or they'll know someone else and get them involved and they'll be able to donate a dollar yeah now with that so with that all being said though okay. I, do, I do think that it probably this sounds a little contradictory but i do like the fact that elementary os 
themselves asks for a donation when you download their their distro. And the reason why I like that is because not a lot, with them being a community distro, I'm sure if left to everyone's own devices, they wouldn't get a lot of a lot of donations because how many people just download a distro, start using it, and then say, oh, great, and then forget all about ever donating to it or ever contributing back. Um, so I think that's a good way to you know to keep their development team running too, is to right off the rip say, hey, can you guys spare a few dollars for us? And- so that that thing, not the asking for money, but... The way that they implement it on the website has, let's just say, stirred the pot a little bit, and there is a vocal minority, and I want to highlight, underscore, italicize all of that vocal minority of people that are upset at the way that they do that. Because it is not apparent on the website, when you go and download the thing, the the ISO to install elementary OS, it is not a big shiny blue sparkly button that says get it for free right you have to into it that you can put zero in the box and click download and then go on from there so i've seen a lot of posts on reddit and forums and things like that saying i didn't know that i could get it for free that actually happened to me i i didn't know you could get it for free the first time i was i was looking into it i was like oh okay this is weird first distro i've ever seen that actually has a dollar amount (laughs) to download it so so what what's your take on that? What what's uh, is is that the right way to go about it by by just hide? Not no okay. So hiding I think is is kind of inflammatory. But you know it, it's definitely not apparent, and there's no button to press Obviously. that says zero dollars. Uh, there you go. So you know is that the right way to go about it by by obfuscating off the zero dollar amount? Uh, I don't like that honestly. I'm looking at the site right now, and and they really right on their main, on their main page they really make it look like this costs money. You have it says pay what you want, but then the options listed are ten dollars, twenty dollars, thirty dollars, or custom, and then it has all the little Visa, Mastercard, Discover logos underneath, and then the button to actually download literally says purchase Elementary OS. So right. Yeah, you, until you put yeah. until you put zero in there. Once you put right. zero, the magic happens mm-hmm. and it says free or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But who, yeah. if you didn't know, who would ever who would ever think to do that? Because it's not like I can go to eBay and not put Josh. zero dollars in there and expect to get it for free. I, I think the key right. to that is that custom little the 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 custom word. Like if they just put zero dollars there instead of custom, everything else keep it the same, but put zero dollars there instead of custom, no one would say anything. Yeah. Because what's custom? It could be it could be only down to a dollar. You might not be able to put zero dollars. You don't know. Or you might just... Uh, ninety nine ninety nine. That's custom. Yeah, and you, or you just may not want to <laughs> put your credit Bitcoin. card information on the, on the web. Surely you can... Oh, look, look. It's totally fine. You're using Stripe. It's good. <laughs> or something, right? <laughs> They're rock solid. <laughs> All right. And then... Um, so the last thing I wanted to ask about was uh, they have a unique way of doing beta, which... Well, okay, I, I think beta is too close. Uh, it's alpha, really. So, and, and they call it early access. So the way that they do early access is they ask for the $10 Patreon, I think it is, the, the $10 recurring Patreon donation, and then you get access to the early access builds of Elementary OS 6, which is going to be based on Ubuntu 20.04. So I've seen a lot of, you know, in the same vein, I've seen a lot of the banter on this be that I don't want to pay to beta test your software. 
So what you know is that the feeling y'all get for it as well, or is it? How, how do what do y'all think? Yeah, one thousand percent. I don't. I, I they should be paying me to to test alpha software for them. It's <laughs> honestly, I, yeah. I would never pay for something that's knowingly broken. That's that's ridiculous. Hey, what about Windows? Well, I, you know, I don't even I don't even <laughs> know that it's that broken. Why, why would I yeah, pay for Windows? <laughs> right. Ooh. Yeah, and then uh, this is the point where you pull out that that Windows XP key that everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the one they that forgot one. about. <laughs> oh crap! I forgot to table that one. Well, why yeah. why would you even have to enter a key if it, if you're installing Windows XP? <laughs> well, you know, I don't the, even I don't even think it's like there's, that. There's a, there's I, a 30 I, second registry I, hack that you can do. No, so on elementary OS, I don't even I don't know that they ask for any kind of proof that you've done it. Uh, I think it's just access to download it. Um, but you know, I, I don't actually know that for sure. Uh, I don't know Probably how in they... their Patreon they have some sort of like block that says that that the button you can't press it until you pay for it, and then you can press it and download it. Well, I mean, like, would you be able to just take that ISO and hand it off to your oh, friend or something yeah, I'm like sure that? I could. Right. Yeah, it's well, likely, but let me ask you guys a question uh, you... real quick. Just sure. real quick question. Um, have you guys put any money in towards anything? Right, it, it, and this is kind of where where I'm taking this, and yeah, right. I mean, what what is it? Uh, Kickstarter, all of those kinds of things. Is that what you're kind of getting? No, at? no, no, no. Just you know, a, a donate on an application page, or um, bought us the like a what Plex Pass. Oh, oh yeah, or anything yeah, like, that. like that. You can hmm. do almost everything with Plex for free, and then there's a couple of small things <laughs> yeah. behind a paywall. Yeah. But um, right. it, completely usable without paying for it. Have you donated money to it? Not donated. Or, I paid for yeah. Plex. Also, yeah. but I, mean, I paid for right. Plex. Yeah. But, I, but I have donated to Linux Mint, yeah. to Audacity, to archive.org, to Wikipedia. So, yeah, no, yeah, of course. Just checking. Because, you know, I, I have done most of those. And then also did the Plex Pass and um, uh, something that I, I used for years and no longer use, but um, I, I did put money in towards was uh, Synergy. And I know that there's a, a fork of it because they annoyed the heck out of me when they kind of went behind the paywall and made everything not work. Um, and I can't remember what the fork is called right now. But I, I used it for so long, I just thought it would be nice for me to throw some money at them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think a lot of times it, it's it's a bit confusing because I don't think that they're necessarily saying that you got to pay $10 to get early access. I think it's they would like a donation to continue development, and then you also get this as a perk. So, I mean, if all you want is early access, then, yeah, I guess you're going to see it that way. But if you're in it more for uh, the community to support, to do things like that, then you should look at it more like a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe or something like that where, um, I mean, you're you're putting the money up front, essentially, to make sure that you get a good product on the back end, the, the thing that everybody's going to get and everybody's going to judge it on. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just a you have to be this tall to ride kind of thing. Maybe. Although, isn't that kind of what we're doing when we when we download Elementary to begin with, and we pay that pay that fee to to them? I mean, isn't that also going towards their future development costs as well? I don't, I, also true. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah. So okay. So that's so actually a good point. Is it should be forty dollars right? instead of thirty dollars. <laughs> well, but basically, what I'm saying is, if if you pay, say, whatever window, if you pay ninety nine dollars to get a copy of Windows ten. 
do you are you then expected to pay another ninety nine dollars to get the you know the the yearly refresh on top of that, or or should the ninety nine dollars cover every future release of Windows ten that that's available? Well, technically, it does, but yeah, exactly. It should it, it, no? Uh, you donate what you can when you can, and if you find yourself in a good place and you're appreciating what uh, these developers have done, and you think you should pay again, or you know give them money again, then 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 you should. Right. If you can't, you can't. If it's not worth anything more to you, then don't. Or if you think you've provided enough, then don't. But if you have the opportunity and you think they should have some money, give it to them. You got to remember, developers got to eat too. Red yeah. Bull's not yeah. free. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I have no hate in my heart for elementary OS, so don't add yeah, me. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, yeah, true. All right, so next up, Mike, we're going to grill you on this because uh, this is something that I wanted to do. I did not know it was, it's as easy as what you wrote, but uh, System76 is cosmic. They've made some pretty striking changes. Yeah, this and this is so cool. This is uh, last episode we talked or I talked about all the things that I dislike in GNOME. And with Pop OS's Cosmic, they've really cleared up pretty much every complaint that I had about GNOME they've, they've taken care of with this. So again, I, uh, I did this in a VM because I just wanted to try it. I, I didn't plan on keeping it at all. So how I ended up getting it was I just installed uh, Pop the, the latest Pop OS, which is Pop 2010. And then once I had that installed, I just simply did a sudo pop-upgrade release upgrade-f. That just installs all the new features for Cosmic. Uh, it took about two minutes, reboot, and it was back up. As I was alluding to before, I absolutely love it. So lots of, lots of changes over vanilla GNOME. Um, it has a dock on the bottom of the desktop, and you can go through a lot of changes with that. You can change the size, the position, the length. You can have it auto-hide. Uh, they changed the default behavior of the super key, whereas before the super key used to bring up the workspaces view. Now super key by default brings up a small app search, which uh, it looks very similar to Ulauncher, if uh, anybody's ever used that before. It's just a small uh, horizontal bar that takes up a small portion of your screen. You start typing into it and it'll pop up the app or list of apps for you. It has a lot of features that normally require extensions to uh, to GNOME to be able to get right. So like I was saying before, the dock can be moved. Um, you can have the dock on the... It comes defaulted to the bottom, like Mac OS style, if you like that. You can move it over to the left side if you prefer Unity style. Or you can even move it over to the right side if you're a sociopath. <sighs> Aside from that, <laughs> I've, I've never put it over there. I don't. Why would you? It doesn't it's, belong that over is insane. There. Yeah, that makes absolutely no <laughs> sense. Yeah, the government should be notified if you have your dock on the right side of the screen because there's something wrong. <laughs> you're definitely a hacker at that point. <laughs> yeah, hey, something. Hey, oh, you're I've something. I've had yeah. my dock on the right hand of the screen before. And your wife almost left you for it. No. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, aside from that, even the uh, the time and date up at the top panel, I think that's what they call it. Is that is it called a panel on GNOME? That top bar thing? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think it's referred to as top bar, but yeah. uh, it's a panel, right? It's I think a panel. So. Also, the, t the time and date on the top bar can be moved. So you can, uh, it starts off in the center like, like normal, but you can switch its position over to the left or right side. Uh, you can remove the tabs in the top left-hand corner, uh, the applications tab and the workspaces tab. Uh, you can even en enable or disable hot corners. Uh, that's currently to do though. There's a, there there are still some areas left where they're they're still actively working on it, and they have it marked off as to do. Uh, the hot corners is one of them. Uh, you can also add a uh, minimize and a maximize button to your windows. 
And uh, all of these changes were all kind of brought together into one settings page too. So you, if you go into settings and then go into desktop, there are about four tabs inside desktop that allow you to do all of these changes, uh, again, without installing any additional extensions. You can even change the style of workspaces. So we were talking last, last show about how they had just recently GNOME changed the uh, kind of the, uh, the, the lineup of it. So it's now vertical versus horizontal like it used to be. You can switch that back if you want to. That's also still currently to do. Um, I'm not sure if... I haven't used Pop! OS in a few years, so I'm not sure if Pop had window tiling before, but they do now. And it's actually really cool. If you set the uh, the dock to auto-hide and you enable window tiling, it'll move the, the dock out of your way and it'll take up your entire screen with the window tiles. And uh, there's an icon in the top panel that allows you to do that. So you can just... Uh, or the top bar. You can just hit that icon and switch between uh, tiled windows or not. And uh, like I was saying, it's still, uh, I'm not sure if it's considered alpha or beta at this point, but it's uh, its still a work in progress, but they're expecting to have it done uh, for release in June. So pretty soon. Now, does the top panel, um, does that hide when you start to use the uh, tiling on this Cosmic or? No, okay. it does not. So that you'll still have that top, uh, that top that... bar unless they change it before June, yeah. but that's the way it is now. No, I think it's it's burned in like it is on macOS. It ain't going nowhere. And kind of the the weird thing too is if you so the the uh, the dock at the bottom is set by default to just always be there. It, it doesn't move. It doesn't auto hide. So if you leave the dock at default, it'll also kind of mess with the window tiling too. So you'll your windows will still tile, but unfortunately you'll be left with uh, with the dock at the bottom taking up a pretty good chunk of your yeah. screen yeah. real estate. But even the dock itself can be adjusted, so you can change the size of the dock. You can uh, right. it starts off at medium, and then uh, you can you can even set a custom resolution for the dock. That's pretty awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm gnome is growing on me. I'm not I'm not a fan. I don't go seek it out. Um, but you know when I when I run Fedora, I usually just run Fedora, which does come with gnome, and it is vanilla as it gets. But honestly, this is probably something i think i could get into so i'm i'm really looking forward to uh trying it out all the are are all of these changes that that are coming in cosmic they're in right now they're in right now except for the couple things that i mentioned that were still to do okay, so right. there were Got the it. uh moving the uh let me see changing the style of the workspaces is still uh currently to do and then also enabling or disabling hot corners is for them to still uh take care of Got it. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know. You've convinced me. I think I'll give this a spin. Because, uh, I mean, I thought it was going to be way harder to actually get on to the new cosmic stuff, but uh, it seems easy enough. Yeah, it's dead simple. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Ubuntu, but I, I've enjoyed their their iteration of GNOME probably the most. I, I like it better than plain vanilla GNOME. But I like System 76's Cosmic even better than Ubuntu version because it has just... A, Kind of the, the the things that I like about Ubuntu, like with the uh, with the persistent dock, but with more changes that kind of go a little bit further. The the thing that I I really like too is the new application switcher because what I didn't like about uh, a vanilla GNOME is that when you hit the super key or you bring up the applications page, it literally takes up your entire screen. So if you're working on something, it just it moves that to the background, and then you have a full page of applications in front of you. Well, you don't really need that. If you know what you're looking for, you can type in Firefox and have it open in two seconds. You don't need a, you know, an overlay to take over your entire screen to just to do that. Yep, exactly. All right, we're we're running long. So 
last thing in the news, Zorin OS 16, the beta, is available. And I think this is, it's been a long time coming. I think they've been uh, running on 18.04 for about as long as Elementary, o ha Elementary OS has. Um, so, or 20.04. No, they're on eighteen right now. Anyway, it they're going it, to twenty oh four. Yeah, okay, okay. Sixteen they're, they're is coming 2004. to twenty oh four. That okay, right, right, right. So, um, I think this is pretty fantastic. You know, they they have the idea that um, doesn't matter where your software comes from, just get your software. Don't don't even bother. Flatpak, what's that? Snap, what's that? Doesn't even matter. It's all available for you in their store. So, you know, if you want to dig down to it and you know go off of whatever the default actually is, I mean, but yeah, you can you can swap between. Flap, Snappack, um, Debian installers, uh, you can install whatever from the repos, and Wine is right there behind a flip of a switch. So just really easy to get into. I think, you know, when when you're talking about a distro that, um, you know, for, the, for normal folks or people that don't know, nor would they ever care what a Snap package is, uh, this is this is the one, right? I mean, because Flatpak, or, I mean, I'm sorry, Linux Mint has their ideological stance on Snap versus Flatpak. Obviously, they went Flatpak. Ubuntu has their ideological stance, plus they built the thing. So, I mean, obviously, they're going to go with Snap. And I think Zorin is splitting the difference. You know, don't even bother. Just have it. All of it. Cool. So, they're yeah. package agnostic then. Basically. Yeah, really. That's well, cool. You Just know what's funny? Them. That we actually talk about this on the same time as we talked about um, elementary is how they fund this. Well how they try to fund it at least it's they have their ultimate edition which costs $39 but then mm -hmm. it underneath the core which is basically everything except for a couple of extras is free and they have it right there download free but above it they have download for $39 and not only that right. but it says why why does it cost and it brings you to a page that says why pay and it tells you explicitly why you should pay for this and, and what you get with extra with it. That's really cool. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, this is definitely the better way to do it, I think. I mean, be upfront about it. Do not obfuscate anything. And just be honest. Yeah, you're going to have all these people that are just like, no, I'm not going to pay for it for any reason, whatever. I'm just going to download it and use it. I mean, those people will always exist. But, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think the elementary OS guys would keep going with um, keep going in the direction that they're going if it didn't work. I think it works, and that's why that page hasn't and it won't works, change. But yet, it's why does it why is it taking so long for them to get updated to twenty oh four when all these other ones are updated twenty oh four already? Mm. I mean, True. I mean, look and, at, you know, I think that I think that's look valid. Um, Farron OS, it's one guy, one guy, and he had it updated. A little bit after um, uh, Linux Mint had it updated. Well, I, I think elementary, does Farron have like rewrites of all of the software? Um, I, I think that's that, one of the big they, things. Okay, that, okay, um, that's true. That is true. I guess, the, I, guess I didn't think they, about they that. They rewrite everything. Like their calculator is redone in Vaughn. Right. So, you know, their calculator is their calculator. It is part of their operating okay, system. Okay, that's true. Okay, I didn't think that much into it, but yeah. But still, I mean, even yeah. Zorin OS does take a while. And it's like, why are these people who are charging for their distro, why are they taking so much longer to get it out? <laughs> I don't, I, I just, I'm not trying to make fun of them or anything or say anything negative, really, but just why? I don't understand. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We'd have to ask them. We should yeah. ask them. Maybe. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, 
because we brought it up, uh, the the answer to the how come you want to pay for it, Zorin OS, they say every purchase helps us to hire developers, finance our operations because we're funded entirely by the community. We're able to put you, the user, first in everything that we do. That way we can continue to improve Zorin OS, contribute to upstream open source projects, and create products and services that bring Linux into the hands of new users around the world. So basically, you know, pay us for our work. You know, kind of what we assumed it was going to be, right? Sounds good. Good job, Zorin. All right. Well, that'll do it for the news. We'll head down to the security app. Oh, man. So I, I said it in the intro, Skynet. No, we don't need Skynet. How is NVIDIA building Skynet? I need to know. So this is really cool. So this is, this is not the, the mean Sky, or, or this isn't the Skynet from Terminator 2. This is the Skynet from Terminator 3. So what's going on is uh, NVIDIA has actually announced the development of Morpheus, which is an AI-powered app framework for cybersecurity. Now, what's really cool is Morpheus is going to be sold to, you know, IT professionals and companies and whatnot. And Morpheus is going to use AI and machine learning to identify, capture, and act on threats and anomalies, including data leaks, phishing attempts, and malware. Uh, using Morpheus as cyber defense, companies will be able to respond to and mitigate threats in real time without any slowdown to their service at all. Uh, it's currently in early access, but they are allowing developers to sign up to uh, test it out early. So this could be uh, this could be a game changer in terms of uh, you know in terms of how companies deal with cybersecurity threats currently, and uh, AI is becoming the the wave of the future in terms of of how companies are going to handle security threats going forward. None of it matters when quantum computing comes out. They'll be able to crack everything. <laughs> well, you know, there are companies who are working on on defense on quantum defenses as well. So hopefully, hopefully they with come out NVIDIA. First. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So this this sounds to me a lot like uh, kind of some technology that already exists, right? I mean, in in boxes like Palo Alto and Sophos and a few others. They have this real-time interconnected with all the other devices kind of learning that if there is malicious activity, uh, I want to say Palo Alto is like fire or something. Uh, but anyway, uh, the idea is that when there is potential malware detected, every box in the entire world that, you know, pays the extra money to get the subscription um, will will know about those threats and immediately within seriously like within five ten minutes you have definitions downloaded to your box so that you can mitigate this activity whatever this activity is mitigate the on your box and on your networks uh, around the world right I mean this this whole thing is a global mesh network of um, information sharing and you know I mean as far as the definition of um, Machine learning, I mean that it's already there, right? I mean it's 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 all automated. It's all computer stuff. So is there is there a difference in what Nvidia is doing here? Well, what Nvidia is planning on doing is they're going to allow users uh, and developers to create their own Morpheus skills uh, using deep learning models. So this they, they, it can really be tailor made for the individual company that purchases it as well. That's pretty cool. So okay. So the fact that you can manipulate these things right. is, uh, I think that might just be the or selling is it manipulating point. And on top of that, ah, uh, well, I don't know. We'll find out soon enough, right? We just got to keep the nuclear launch codes away from it and everything will be fine. Uh, there you go. Keep it on an air gap network over there. Yeah. 
All right. And next, uh, a huge trove of credit card and social security number data just got hacked. So is this the same story from last month or the same story from three months ago or the same story from six months ago or the same story from last year? Basically. <laughs> yeah. At, at, yeah. 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 At this point, uh, just assume you have been. Uh, yeah. All of that. All your credit card numbers are belong to us. How, how oh, many geez, actual man. users are there of Facebook? I mean, is it roughly 553 million? Well, I mean, we're going to get to that, right? Uh, that's that's the whole idea is, uh, I don't know. Just, man, at, at this point, um, what, are, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we even doing anymore? This is, it, it's the social security number is supposed to be a private number, but yet we have decided that we wanted to, you know, and I think this is one of the biggest problems. Is that the these types of numbers were never meant to be unique identifiers for you in everyday life? It even says it on the card that you get. Don't use this for you anything. Can't even laminate them. This is yours. It's right, like, you're not heck? supposed to laminate them. <laughs> you put them in a fireproof safe and you you memorize the number and you never think. Well, actually, you're not even supposed to memorize the number. You don't need to. You weren't never need. You never needed to do this. But yet, because we needed a number to track people with, and everybody had a social security number uh, in the U.S., uh, it just became an easy way to do that. And because the credit card data got hacked, because that data is out there, it is so tightly intercoupled with social security number that you also lose that number too. So this is just not great at all. But, you know. We saw the writing on the wall back when we first printed on the card. Don't use this for identification purposes. Um, and we knew it was going to happen. And here it is happening over and over and over and over again. I, Did they say where this was from? Or is this just a bunch of different places that got hacked? Um, let me see. Leaked online March 17. Database was posted on a different underground forum. Contained about 12,344 records. Of sellers, buyers, nicknames, passwords. Uh, where was this? Uh, wow, it includes Canadian social social insurance numbers as well. Yeah, the source of the breach remains unclear. That's the thing about this is that we don't even know where it came from. We have no idea why this stuff is out on the publicly accessible internet. Yet there it is, <laughs> and it's a. Um, it came from. Uh, seems like Swarm Shop has been targeted. Uh, that is... Uh, Looks like they're yeah, saying they think it's a uh, revenge hack. Mm-hmm. That's it. It looks like the, the files were hosted on Mediafire.com, which is, I mean, it's a file locker website. I mean, I, I imagine it didn't have to be Mediafire.com. That's just the first one they used. Oh, man. Well, there's another one for it. Another one for the history books. I wonder if there's just going to be in the history books just like an entire section on how many times you got hacked in a 10-year period. (laughs) (laughs) Just like one period in history where it's just like, all this hacking happened. (laughs) Yeah. You can't even go into each individual hack or what happened or anything like that. It's just going to be like a six-page long bullet list (laughs) of all of the times that everybody in the entire U.S. or everybody in the entire world. Everyone got hacked. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Yeah. And honestly, have I been pwned.com should just say yes. Like they should all the stuff, all the stuff should be removed from the website. But when you go there, it just says yes. Yeah. Are you alive? Then yeah. yes. No, yeah, exactly. Line of uh-huh. HTML. Yes. Yeah. Have you been alive in the past 100 years? Then yes. 
All right. So um, the security update was going to run really long, so we just decided to make the entire show about security. So <laughs> we're going to talk more about privacy in the Linux innards. So anyway, uh, that'll do it for security update. And yeah, let's move on now. Uh, we got one announcement as normal. Our next episode will be at 2 p.m. Central U.S. time. That's got to go backwards. U.S. Central time. U.S. Central time on May 2nd, 2021. So if you like getting this uh, straight to your brain as soon as you can possibly get it, uh, yep, that's when the live stream will happen again. Um, we also have a link. If you don't know what time 2 p.m. U.S. Central is in your local time zone, click on the link in the show notes and we will tell you. Thanks, Londoner, for that. All right, well, Joe, where can we get more of you outside of this podcast? Well, you can catch me on a couple of the other shows. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show. You can find that at www.tllts.org or the Linux Lugcast, www.linuxlugcast.com, although some of the information there is currently incorrect because there's some issues with the um, Mumble server. You can find me on MeWe, or you can send me an email, jb at mintcast.org. Nice, and Bo's not here this time. Uh, seems like he has deleted all of his other deets. I'm going to say deets. Go back to 1999. And um, he's got Crowbar Kernel Panic here. Do, uh, Josh, you don't have it either. Is there a link? Do you have a link? I could I could go get it, but I'm... Do have an email for it. <laughs> <laughs> so for... for oh, yeah. you do? Oh, what, what uh, is it's that? It's Crowbar Kernel Panic at pm.me. At pm.me. Cool. Crowbar Kernel Panic at pm.me if you want to get in touch with them. Um, don't forget they're uh, a gaming-centric Mint Mintcast spinoff. So um, go check them out. Give them a, hey, like and subscribe and Smash hit the bell that like and button. do backflip and all that stuff. Yeah, there you go. Um, Moss is also not here. We're actually pretty thin today. Uh, but he is, remember, the new host of Full Circle Weekly News. He's uh, also a host of Distro, Distro Hopper's Digest. He writes at It's Moss, the website. You can also find him at MeWe's, his blogs, Bandcamp, and a few YouTube channels. Bardic Triad on Twitter. Zyvala at hosttux.social uh, on Mastodon. Oh, wow, this is so long. Zyvalananda at protonmail.ch. His sponsors, lots of links and show notes, something, something. This is like when Apollo anyway, Creed go. comes out at the beginning of Rocky <laughs> Four. He's got like 150 <laughs> <laughs> The nicknames. most exceptional, amazing, astronomical. <laughs> yep, that's, there he is. And then Tony, Ho, uh, Tony Hughes, also not here, but you can get him at HPR, host ID 338. He blogs, uh, he tweets at Tony H1212. Uh, th at mincast.org and distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. Uh, Tony Watts as well, tw at mincast.org or Echoes of Savages, uh, the band. And Josh, what about you? Finally, you can email me at joshontech at mintcast.org. It works. <laughs> it works. It works. Oh my uh, gosh. Now it you can works. find me on Crowbar Kernel Panic and uh, at Josh on Tech. I'm pretty much everything else. Mike, what about you? I'm not being left out of the fun, so you can catch me at my new fancy boy email address, too. It's Ooh. Mike at Mintcast.org. Or you can catch me on Discord and Telegram at GrouchyM. And feel free to hit me up about some Nintendo games, too. If you want to talk retro Nintendo or even current day Nintendo, let's do that. Just miss me with all the PlayStation and Xbox garbage. What's your favorite original <laughs> Nintendo game? Like NES Nintendo? Yeah. Uh, Contra. Contra is good. Ooh. Not Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? 
the best oh, game I, ever. I, I do love that. You know, I still remember the password to Mike, uh, Mike Tyson. Mm. 007-353-9671, I believe. There it is. You can get me at leotravis.org and at leotravis on Twitter, uh, at leo at c.im on Mastodon, or hear me at linuxuserspace.show as well. But before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for our audio editing. Josh Lowe for all of his work on the website. Obstar for our logo. InitRD for the animated logo. It's fantastic, by the way. It's got a retro feel to it. I feel like uh, it, it came straight, speaking of NES, came straight out of an NES game with the little ching across. Oh, it's so fantastic. And Londoner for our time sync. So if you know when we happen every two weeks, thanks, Londoner. Bitemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. HPR for our backup Mumble room. And the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Thanks Clem. Clem. And team. See? Team this time. You know what? I, I just recently found uh, the page where you have a big name home shows on uh, Linux Mint. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Mint. Where was it? See, the problem is uh, I never remember what I do, like ever. So when I find something cool, if I don't immediately write that down, uh, (laughs) it, it won't be there.